Hello and welcome to Exposed, a series I have created in order to highlight the privacy issues which have arisen and are arising with the introduction and mainstream adoption of many new technologies such as smartphones, social media, cloud storage and security devices. Social engineering is a practice which has arisen from the sheer difficulty of cracking modern security systems. The digital systems have so few holes of which are fixed so quickly that it is incredibly difficult for attackers to gain access to anything val of value for the time and effort required. Therefore, they have turned to social engineering because it is much easier for an attacker and allows a far greater yield for the effort. Often carried out over the phone or in person because people are more likely to give away information in these ways rather than something trackable such as an email or text message and it allows the attacker to add a tone of urgency or importance to the situation. It is a form of con artistry which relies on the vulnerability of human nature. It involves many common forms of scamming where people are vulnerable because they are too quick to trust the person they are talking to. In order to protect yourself or business from social engineering, it is important to be careful who to and who not to trust and being vigilant and understanding of what attackers may be seeking. In order to carry out the attack, the person on the other end may use many techniques. Background research is performed so that the person may seem like they know what they are talking about and have access to what seems like sensitive company information. They will often pick vulnerable targets such as new employees and add emotional small talk to really get the target involved with their story. They will use an understanding of the company's specific information and behaviours to further improve their assumed legitimacy. In the case of personal accounts, attackers will find information related to the account holder in order to break through security questions. Other more elaborate techniques do exist. Some attackers will use people close to you to achieve their goal. Many will pitch themselves as a friend or colleague in a time of need requiring money to help or asking for a charitable donation. This takes advantage of your trust of the people you know. Unfortunate that it's possible to effectively put words in their mouths like this. This is a primarily digitally executed attack because it allows an attacker to hide behind your friend's captured identity. Phishing is a common internet scam which is surprisingly a form of social engineering. We've all seen the emails. This is PayPal emailing. We need you to verify your account and credit card details. This again uses your trust of certain organisations paired with a sense of urgency to make you act without hesitation. Baiting is a common practice which offers you something in return for your details. Commonly they will offer online movies, TV shows, music, vouchers or physical products such as iPads or other Apple devices. These are often used to scam money from clueless users or install viruses and malware to your computer for further malicious activity. Pretext is a more unusual scam technique. An attacker will fabricate a situation which positions them as a person of importance at a big company or government agency. Attackers can potentially manipulate employees in order to find sensitive information about the company and their operations. Attackers commonly target sales staff, with money being a main motivator for them. They tend to drop their guard at even the promise of money. Tailgating is another abstract method, but when executed correctly, can be an attack that no one ever expects. People looking to gain access to a building or office will use another person's access to get in. This 
involves creating scenarios such as, oh, I'm new here, and security haven't given me my damn pass. Could you open the door for me? Forgetting their key, or just carrying a large load of boxes and cannot open the door for themselves. This technique heavily relies on the trust of others and the ability to look like you belong. Unfortunately, the outcomes of social engineering are painful for everyone apart from the attacker. Common outcomes are identity theft, data loss, data theft, attackers profiting off your personal data by selling it, and malware allowing further exploitation. For individuals, the best techniques for protection are all wanting you to be careful. Using varying security questions which aren't publicly available information, monitoring account security, not giving out confidential information, standard scam awareness and cautiousness. Many of these tactics involve lying and creating a sense of urgency, so being careful is the most important way to prevent being a victim to this kind of attack. And so, who would they target? Whose money are they after? Well... I guess if you look at the Facebook example, they might choose young people to hack the account, but it's their older relatives or friends that have the money. Yeah. So I guess from from my personal experience, anecdotally, older people have been called, and they and they say you've got a um, virus on your machine on your thing, and uh, let me talk you through your account details. Or I'm from ANZ Bank. I've I've heard of lots of different companies that are having problems trouble with um, not just phishing emails but phishing calls yes, where people pretend yes, yeah pretend to be contacting you from the ATO or from from your uh, from Microsoft or something like that and I guess the the golden rule is that if they ask you for information there's something wrong yeah because okay. that company don't contact you unless you contact them mm. so a simple way to um, to do it is to hang up and then to to call the number that's in online for that company. Don't ask them what their number is and call them back because I'll give you a fake number. But if you if you look up Microsoft or whatever, you have a hard job finding a phone number probably. But yes. really, those sorts of companies, the ATO have said we do not ring people. So if if someone's ringing saying they're from the ATO, it's not it's a scam. Mm. There are on various consumer affairs department sites you can see the common current scams. Okay. And those okay. those scams, um, those listings are just getting longer and longer and longer. It used to be that a scam alert would be from time to time, but now there's always a scam alert of varying mm-hmm. kinds. And it's something, and it's that's, something so that's so easy to conduct. To conduct and... and they just do, they it, just so do much, it so much to so many, to so many people mm-hmm. that eventually they're going to get someone get who, someone who minds yeah. gives in. Gives in. Yeah, that's right. But it tends to be that they create a sense of urgency so that you're carried along. So they say, oh, your computer is about to get a virus or someone is trying to hack into your um, credit card. Now, can you tell me what the um, number is and what your online banking password is so that we can stop it? That sense of urgency is often used. Um, I think people have got more um, aware of the the greed-motivated ones, which were about, I'm a Nigerian prince and I'm trying to transfer my money. That was a really common one. And people go, oh, my God, all I have to do is give them 10000 and then I get $3 million. And that was about greed. So I think people are a bit more savvy about those sorts of things. But there are... 
you're asked to very, very sad cases of people giving a lot of money when it's a kind of a lonely heart situation and they yeah. build up a relationship yeah. with someone yeah. online. And millions and millions of dollars is, is being um, conned out of people in Australia every year. It's very, very, very sad. Mm. So then what about identity fraud? Is that mostly used to reach that monetary goal or to spread the scam to others? I think both, but there's other interesting identity fraud which does occur. Um, I, I heard of someone whose license was stolen, their driver's license. And so someone um, was able to impersonate that person and well, they used it when they had infringements. So they were actually committing low-level crimes, misdemeanors, but they were assigning them to someone other than themselves. And the person kept getting, they, were, they would be not pay the fine, of course, and then that would end up going to the sheriffs and going to court. And then the fine would get bigger and bigger. And then finally the person found out because people turned up at the door, kind of bailiff situation. And it was very difficult to explain um, that that person wasn't the one who had um, been speeding or running the red lights. And it went on for a number of years. And that was all because a, a license of theirs was left in the car and someone stole it. So, oh, man. Oh, man. Yes. So even though you think about the fact that they're trying to use you as a leapfrog to get to other people or other computers or they're trying to get to your bank account, there are other, are, there are other scams that are happening. And um, so it's a good idea to keep hold of your primary identity documents securely. And if something goes wrong, to take immediate action. And to let the relevant departments know. Mm. Okay. That will conclude this episode of Exposed on social engineering security techniques. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.